What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I hit 606. I that's not a lot of failure. You go straight to pro ball, you start failing a lot. You're over 10. How do you know to do something you've never done? You don't. Welcome into another episode of Baseball America's from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today we're talking to Darno McDonald, former big league outfielder and recently announced pre- and post-game analyst for Red Sox baseball on Nesson. Extremely talented guy on and off the field with a unique career story, which I was excited to dive into. We talked his being a multi-sport phenom in high school. Signed to be the heir to Ricky Williams of Texas, he instead signed with the Orioles as their first-round pick. Life in the minors was an easy on or off the field for Darnell. He talks a lot about learning to improve the mental side of things, the approach to that side of the game, which makes sense as he was the mental skills coach for the Cubs 2016 World Series team. We talk about his career in the minors, why he loved playing for the Red Sox later in his career, and what every ball player needs to do during his career to prepare for life after that playing career. Was very grateful for Darnell for taking the time. Really enjoyed this conversation. Hope everyone enjoys it as well. Episodes of Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. College baseball starts this week. Division I college baseball starts this week. Division II started last week. Uh, BA's got all the coverage there. Got the top 200 draft prospects out. Team top 10s are out. A lot of good stuff. Always a good time to be a subscriber of Baseball America. And with that, let's talk to Darnell McDonald. All right, joining in for today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm, he was the 26th overall pick in the 97 draft out of Cherry Creek High School, former big league outfielder Darnell McDonald. Darnell, thank you so much for joining From Phenom to the Farm. Thanks for having me. I've got to ask before we get into your career story, uh, what does the, the chief of morale at SVA Sports do? <laughs> the chief of morale changes your physiology, meaning I always say like the first step to being uh, great being a winning team is just feeling good getting as many people as possible showing up feeling good because um, if you feel good you're probably going to do good work or set yourself up for doing good work right you know what i'm saying feel absolutely good, yeah feel good, play good absolutely look good look good play good so that's what the the chief morale does the uh Helps people feel good, tap into uh, their uh, their best self physiologically. Well, we'll uh, over the course of this of this podcast, I think we'll tap into how much that matters and in a variety of places in your career. Let's let's talk high school, where where you have to, I would imagine, on the field, off the field, have been had been feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, in the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony from last year, the uh, guy interviewing you referred to you as the, the Bo Jackson of Colorado. <laughs> how, did, how did you split your time between baseball and baseball and football as you got into high school, started getting big collegiate attention in football, pro and collegiate attention in, in baseball? How did you kind of decide where your future was going to lie? Number one, just having fun really having uh, no expectation. I knew I wanted to pursue both sports as long as possible. That was, that was, that was like the number one thing. Like I had so much fun. I look back at my high school career. It was probably the, the most fun time of my life. Um, 
and kind of looking at high school sports now where some kids don't even play high school sports. You know, they go straight to, um, you know, the travel ball circuit. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I would do without having that experience of, of playing high school with my boys, no responsibility, um, but playing sports, having fun, winning championships. When it got time to, it was actually two days before I was getting ready to leave for uh, two days. I'm thinking this is really getting real. I like I might because when in '94, uh, I saw Matt Brunson, a family friend, he signed with the Detroit Tigers in '94 in the first round, and I remember being at uh, their house, the Brunson's house, when that happened, and uh, setting my intention. Then I was like, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to draft in baseball. I'm going to play, and so um, from that day, I kind of had my mindset on doing it. Um, and then two days before leaving for college, and um, writing those entrance, entrance, entrance exams, those essays, like, uh, yeah, you got to do those also, right? You got to, zero. Okay, you got to write those essays. Man. So anyway, I ended up, uh, signing obviously with the, the Orioles and the rest is history. Was that a difficult decision for you? Cause the, you got, uh, at that time, 1.9 million was the, the biggest bonus the Orioles had given out to a, a high school player, but you did you had the difference with playing like baseball and football and college, like football season was staring you in the face. Like that fall, you would have had Texas football to, to, to go play the big stadium in Austin. Um, was it a difficult decision for you or when the money was there, was it easy to say, okay, I'm, I'm good hanging up these pads? Yes. Yes. And no, yes. And no. Um, like I said, I, I knew in 94, I wanted to sign. I didn't come from, uh, you know, a lot of money. And that was kind of my motivation uh, at the time being, you know, 18 years old. And I, you know, money, I want money. Um, but I also, from the jump, I was like, it's going to be, you can't lose, right? It's a win-win decision. Either going to play two sports at the University of Texas or uh, obviously signing to play baseball. Um, you know, I, I have no regrets. And actually, when I signed, I went back to, uh, the University of Texas to let them know that I was signing. I was going to play baseball. The football team was getting ready to go out for uh, practice. And these guys come by and like, you know, you darn it, McDonald. Yeah. Um, you know, they've talked for a little bit saying, you know, I'm going to go play baseball. I'm not going to be coming here. And they look at me and they go, good. We want a piece of your ass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gone. I'll, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys. I'll be watching you on TV, but football is a different beast, different mindset. Yeah. You, you would have been in a, uh, a battle in that backfield too. If I'm getting the timing of that, right. Ricky Williams was there and uh, he was actually my host when I went to, to the university of Texas and um, just seeing the atmosphere at, at university of Texas, uh, sixth street. I don't think I left Sixth Street for two days, but that's what that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in that type of uh, atmosphere, seventy five thousand fans, burning orange. I love the simplicity of uniforms, but um, like I'm gonna replace Ricky Williams, one of the best ever. This guy's a, a, a he's a god in Austin. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you had a you have an older brother who play, who was who was in the higher levels of baseball in the minors of that. What what kind of what kind of idea did you have from him or just in general about what the, what the minor leagues are actually about when you signed that contract? <laughs> um, he was with the Yankees, you know, he, he was with, um, you know, my brother Don, he came up with the Yankees and the Yankees at that time, they did a really good job of taking care of their minor leaguers. Um, you know, the Yankees had that Adidas deal, you know, the, all their players got the Adidas uh, equipment and shoes, and they put them up in the hotel. Um, and I'm pretty pretty sure my brother, he didn't, he didn't have to worry about it. He had to pay for that. They put them up. They took care of them. And that's not how everywhere. Well, my first experience in pro ball was instructional league, Tiger Town, sharing a, a, a um, you know a complex and being in the dorm with uh, another roommate. So it was, it was kind of a different experience than his. Um, 
But yeah, we never really like talked about that part of it. I'm just like, he's playing pro ball. You think pro ball is like the best of everything. It's sort of like, uh, you know, like the fans, they don't understand. Um, or like when you're sitting, when you're in the PCL and you're on one of those early flights and, um, you know, what's really humbling is the person next to you is like, so, uh, when are you going to go pro? I'm like, um, what? <laughs> uh, I, I'm a pro now, but I, you know, it's not pro pro the TV pro. Yeah. You can tell that, I mean, you tell that person on the plane, like, it, you know, you don't even know how bad it was a few years before when we were on the, the bus rides. The Once you make it to the PCL, those early flights, that's that's close. That's a lot closer. Um, with that, you before you got down to Instructs, you know, especially growing up in, in Colorado, which is, you know, it's, it, it state produces a lot of athletes, but it's not a, it's not a Florida, California, Texas. How often did you step into the box or like step, you know, be in the backfield and feel like you were challenged athletically or at least up against someone, a pitcher, a linebacker, anyone who was kind of your status athletically. I know in the 95 state title game, you faced off against uh, Roy Halladay. So I'd imagine that was a, that was a challenge you know, he was a high draft pick out of high school, but how often were you facing guys who were in the same talent stratosphere as you before you got into pro ball? Colorado surprised you. You just said Roy Holiday. I mean, Colorado produces produces good athletes. I'm not not knocking Colorado. It's not it's not like a it's not like an island in the middle. But I'm just even even then you mentioned that there wasn't um you know but you mentioned there wasn't a lot of travel ball and and things like that. When you're you know you're strictly kind of sticking around, there are very few. It just in general, there are very few athletes of your talent status every year nationwide. And then the next year they, you know, they consolidate in either professional baseball, division one football, division one baseball. And that's when you first see all those. So how often were you, were you sticking up against someone who is, who is, you know, could challenge you in that way? Um, I think baseball is different, right? As far as like pitching, you're not going to face 95 every day. You're not going to face 95 come out of bullpen, these relievers. Um, football, you know, being playing, you know, post game, he played in the NFL, he went to Mullen. Uh, you know, there's some guys that went on to play B1 back then, different schools. But baseball is sort of like a different beast. I was lucky, like in the summer, we, we didn't have uh, we didn't travel ball, it was County Mac, and um, you know, we'd go on like three or four trips a year different places playing teams from, uh, you know, all over the country. It wasn't Little League World Series, but we went to the World Series. We played the Dominican, Puerto Rico. This is when I was like nine, ten years old. So I did have exposure to other areas, different talent levels. And my mindset back then was I was not – I don't want to be the best in the state of Colorado. I want to be the best everywhere. Like I was growing up watching, you know, you look at baseball Americas and things like this. I, I wanted to be the best. I mean, that's the move. So you get into it, like your post career has been a lot of focus on the mental side of baseball. You were a mental skills coach for the Cubs. A lot of what you talk about and do now is focused on that side of the game. How in tune were you with the importance of the mental side of the game, mental skills, when you were 19, 20, 21 years old, you're basically your entire early journey through the minors. Like how, how in tune were you with that side of baseball? You hear what I said back then? I want to be the best. I was focused on the best. What's the best? Um, you get to pro ball and you realize everyone's good, right? Everyone's good. Not only that, it's a long season. It's a marathon. And then you realize, um, you know, in high school, I hit 606, I think my senior year. That's not that's not a lot of failure. You go straight to pro ball, you start failing a lot. You're over 10. How do you know to do something you've never done? You don't. And you start realizing how hard baseball is. You're playing a game of failure. And the most important thing is how you deal with that failure. And so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a mental skills coach, and you know, getting drafted first round, going to pro ball, no mental skills coach. I didn't have a nutritionist. 
Um, I didn't have, you know, I, they actually told me when I signed, don't lift weights. Don't lift weights, it's bad for baseball. You shouldn't do that. Obviously, we know now that every team from top to bottom has a strength and conditioning coach. Same thing with the, uh, the mental side of the game. Every team pretty much has a mental skills coach or a mental skills program. They understand the, um, the importance of this. And I know uh, when I was with the Cubs and we developed our program in, in 2013, we have people like Joe Madden who like believe this is a competitive advantage. I believe it is so much that we, uh, you know, can revisit. We had we had mental skills coaches at pretty much every level. It's a separator, it's a game changer, and I wish that I would have understood then that I can uh, develop the mental side just as much as uh, develop the physical side, learn how to swing a bat, hit that slider, throw the ball down in a way where you do the same thing with your mind. On the physical side, as you're coming up in the system, you're a first-round pick, so obviously you're going to have the attention of a lot of people just in the organization. Hey, we've, we've got to make good on this guy. He's this toolsy athlete. Um, you know, He's a two-sport guy, so there's a little catch-up there. As you're going up the ladder through the different levels, through instructs, through spring training, and you're kind of like the apple of the eye of the organization, like they want to, they want to make something out of you, how much like – how much in your ear, how much different input from different people? Like, does it come from every direction? Like, how do you focus on this is what I actually need to be working on when I'd imagine that every roving hitting instructor or coach at spring training has a tip for you or things like, like, how do you, how do you process information, especially at 20 when I, I think every 20 year old kid just wants to be the, just wants to please everyone. Right. And yeah, you don't, man. Like you start listening to everyone, get, what even got you there? Um, the first, this is when I first started to understand the business side of it. It was like all those guys that you're talking about that drafted me, that believed in me. I don't know. After my second or third year, they were gone, right? And when I was with the the, the Orioles coming, I came up with the Orioles. I was there with high school. You have six years. Um, you know, they had your rights for six years. I think four of those six years. We had a different GM, different manager. Okay, so each time someone comes in there, right, they have their guys. They're hanging their hat on that they drafted. And um, so it was kind of like you have a guy that drafted you, they believe me, but yeah, I actually, I didn't. Those guys were gone. So I had to prove myself all over again. Um, man, talk about like struggle, like talk about, um, you know, the, the mental game, my second year of pro ball, my mother passed away and she was the closest thing to a mental skills coach that I had. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, she passed away in the off season. I went into the season and, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't hit me until like, I was probably 0 for 5, might've been 0 for 10. Right. And that's when I called my mom, she pumped me up and we can do it, this, this, this. And I couldn't do that. And that's when that her death, like everything became became real, and I I was in Bowie, Maryland. I remember the Orioles. Um, you know they were actually going to let me go home for the season. I'm like, you know, I'm not going home. I'm finishing out. But at the same time, you don't realize you're getting scout. You're getting scouted. They're scouting every game. They're writing these reports on you, and. They don't know that your mother passed away. They don't, you know, know what's going on in your life. They're just writing a report. And again, looking back, this is the understanding the business side of professional sports. When you're you're a pro, right? The fans that come, they they expect to show. I paid this all this money to see you play, you know. And um, so being able to compartmentalize, right? This is something that um, took me a long time to learn, to develop that skill. And as you get into the the higher levels of the minor leagues, you you know start growing in your body, start you know learning the game, you're 23, 24. You know, you'd said when you you signed, you wanted to be the best, best in the world at you know at that time, I think that's I think that's when Griffey's still the best or someone like that. When you get into the higher levels of the minor leagues, 
and you're you know you're 23 24 playing in playing in Ottawa playing in Rochester how do you how do you keep high aspirations like of I want to be the best of the best but also develop a realistic profile for yourself like what kind of big leaguer did you did you want to be at that point what did you think your game was like was there someone who you're like I can be this guy in the minor and you know in the big leagues or is there still do you still have to have that I want to be Griffey in order to be successful I think this is the most important part of development right here what we're talking about and I went through I mean I grew up wanting to be Gary Sheffield um at the time I want to be Albert Pujols I want to be whoever was doing well at that time um, I say the biggest part of development is like understanding yourself, like what you do well, and um, you know, continuing to develop that skill or those skills. And there's so many times where, it's, man, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, you know, I didn't have um, that same belief. I said I wanted to be the best. I came up during the the steroid era, right? And I tell people, man, there's probably there's only two times in my career that I felt pressure. And that was uh, one of them. Come over steroid area and you're getting passed up by guys that like, man, you know, I know, like I'm a better athlete, I'm a better player than this guy, but you're getting passed up, right? And the pressure to get bigger, faster, stronger, and not compete on milk and cookies like this is a, a real thing um so that was that was pressure um for me that steroid air and still being able to um you know your first round pick there's a lot of expectations you know you're supposed to be this guy where is this guy um and then when i had my first daughter my, my first child my daughter and uh i've gotten released and they didn't have NIL deals in college. I can go back to school and, you know, they weren't putting food on the table for my, my, my kid. So those are two times that I felt felt that pressure in, in, in baseball. Um, that's why the mental side, the self-awareness side is the most important. Awareness is a, a skill, and I say the most important skill. Because the faster that you know, yourself and what you do and I tell many stories about people that made a lot of money in the game just knowing what they do well right? and being ready you see guys like I played with Marco Scudero a lot of people don't know who Marco Scudero is unless you Venezuela he's, he's a legend over there but filled the ball filled the ball control the barrel and Played a lot, long time in, in the show, made a lot of money, and just did his thing. What did you need to hear at like 24 years old, right as you're about to break into the big leagues? What, what, like if you, I mean, obviously, if you could, you know, we, we'd all tell our younger self something in hindsight, but like, what did you do well? What, what were those skills you needed to focus on that maybe you didn't at the time or didn't like what? You know, if you could take that guy aside and say, this is what you do well, this will give you longevity in the big leagues. Because, like, you've, you found big league success six, seven years after you originally broke in. So what did that younger version need to hear? I'm going to tell you right now. It was, uh, I think, after my sixth year, I was a free agent. I was a free agent. Um, I'd been taken off the roster. And my mentor coming up, Ellis Burks. Thomas Burks, he was with the, the oh, Indians. A great one. Yeah, the best, EB. So EB says, uh, hey, I want to I want to tell you what the, you know, the reports we got on you over here. And it was like, you know, you play, didn't play hard, um, you know, lackadaisical, all these things. Like, I've never, like, now nah, this ain't associated with me. I remember that day, I was like, no one will ever say, anything like this about me again. So that lit a fire under me. Um, and then uh, the other turning point for me was I'm in the minor leagues, killing it, crushing it. Like I'm, I'm putting up numbers. You look at 05, um, when my daughter was born in 05, I got released. I went over to the, the Tampa Bay 
uh, Devil Rays, uh, Durham, North Carolina, finished the season strong there. Um, it was really a, like, a, it was transformational for me being there. I went back the next year, I led the league in hits, didn't get called up. Following year, same thing, I'm putting up these numbers, I'm not getting called up. So I, um, again, the compartmentalization, I started saying, I like these small wins. Okay, if I'm playing right field, I'm going to be better than that right fielder. I got to, so when I get to the Red Sox, which is, for me, it was kind of like my welcome to the big leagues moment. Is when I say that because that's when I really felt like a big leaguer. You know, I made the opening day roster in 09 the year before. I was like a deer in headlights. I was scared to death. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. following year, I was like, when I was with the Red Sox, I was like, I belong here. It's when I play my best, but I played my best when I said, you know what? I'm not getting called up. I'm putting these numbers up. I'm not getting called up. Okay. So now I'm going to focus on doing all the little things. I'm going to focus on like, man, dirt ball reads, moving up extra base. I'm going to focus on, um, you know, the defense, hitting a cutoff, man, all, all the little stuff that doesn't show up in box scores. And when I did that, I found myself in playing for the Red Sox and playing for a, a winning organization and a team where they didn't need anymore. They had superstars. They didn't need Chiefs. So um, the chief officer morale, like how can I make someone else better? How can I make um, David Ortiz better? You know, we had our lockers right next to each other. You feel good. You're going to play good, man. How can I, you know, see, see what I'm saying? So this is the chief officer morale. Um, and that, I think that comes along with maturity. And they didn't give me a, a blueprint for that when I signed. It's kind of funny because, no, yeah. You, you had, to, had to find that all yourself. Well, the minor, it's crazy because, okay, you, you sign, you go to minor leagues, and it's not necessarily, I come from, like, winning. I was used to winning. And the win, it takes, it's a team game. You go to minor leagues, huh? It's not necessarily a team game, right? I'm going to get mine so I can get to the show. 
I didn't, I didn't understand that mindset, right? And then you develop that mindset of getting, getting mine, and you go to the big leagues where then some teams want to win, and you got to turn off that mindset. And, you know, it's tough, right? So when I went to the Red Sox, I'd, I'd, I'd gone through just so many different things that I was at the point of my career where like, I was I was really practicing gratitude. I was just happy to, I'm happy to be here. I'd already been released, all these things that happened to me, like I'm playing with house money and it was actually the best that I played in my career with theirs. How vividly do you remember that first game, the first, the, the night game with Boston? That's uh, like every single detail from, not many people know the story about, I almost missed my, my, my flight to the big leagues. I almost missed my call up to the big leagues with the Sox. In Rochester, New York. Um, luckily, our our team, our trainer, John Joe Kim, calls me. He's like, you know, yeah, what's up? Or you know, if it wasn't for him, I, I might not have made it. But when I got called up, I actually it was like a call, but it wasn't a call up. It was kind of cool how it happened because they called up. They're like, we gotta wait and see if you know these guys can go. If we're gonna put them on the list. So, you know, we went to, it was Reddick and I, Josh Reddick, we went up together. He gets called over first uh, to the field. We're at the hotel waiting, he gets called over first. And I remember just thinking in my head, like, uh -huh. better get called. Like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not getting on a plane going back. So, like, I'm calling myself up no matter what. And, uh, you know, it's like 6 o'clock, game was 7.05 game. And I, okay, come over to the field, we're calling, we're activating it. And uh, they're walking through the door, and you know, the clubbies are on it. You know, Pookie, clubbies like, Yo, you know, what number do you want? Because they, 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 they change it on the spot. They'll make you a uniform like in five minutes, right in the back of the clubhouse. Like, here you go. I was like, man, I don't care. Just give me the number in spring training. It's 54, and um, no batting practice, none of that stuff. Like, that we get trained to think like I need this batting practice or I'm not going to play well. I need to go like this routine. Like, no, you don't have an opportunity to do that. Go straight to the game. And I remember, um, you know, it was like the eighth inning, obviously beginning of the eighth inning. What good managers, good leaders do, right? They, they kind of prepare you for things that might happen down the road. So Tito comes over, he's like, all right, if so-and-so gets on, you're going to pitch it or um, might have been fair to Well, so-and-so got on and I, Mac, got him back. Oh, this is really happening. Holy cow. And again, the rest, the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, it pretty, I mean, I, I was, when I was doing some, you know, my research before then, like that's a game that I, I remember because that being a big story, you being a, a minor league journeyman and you have this debut with the Sox with the home run, the walk-off single, the long single off, off the monster. And it being a story that, that you then stuck with the Sox and you had a good year with that. You go from, you said in Oh nine, you make the opening day roster with the reds, but you're deer in the headlights. What, you know, you, you talked about, you know, you, you found your found value in being the chief of morale and helping other guys win. But what, you still have to play. You still played a lot for that Red Sox team. What gave you the comfort of when you're in the field, this is, you know, this is a team that's competing for the playoff, competing for the world series. Like what at that point in your life, you know, at age 31 finally gave you the comfort to, to go out there and have success. Cause it was, that was what I was used to. I told you like in high school, I was used to winning. I was used to having an expectation every year. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, I hope we go to the playoffs. Like, no, it's to win a championship. And, uh, like, I just fed off that energy. I loved it. I loved the fact that there's an expectation every time you, like, you go to the park. Like, these people are fans. They want to win. They expect the best. Almost to the point of they think winning is easy. I always thought, like, you guys think this is easy. It's not easy to win at anything. You get spoiled. Um, that and... Uh, they let me be myself. They let me be myself. And I'll remember how good that made me feel. Like they weren't worried about, oh, you gotta wear a uniform like this, you gotta look like this. You gotta, when all this, just no, we wanna win and make money. 
maybe not in that order. I don't know, but that's what it was about. And it didn't matter how it got done. You know, it takes what it takes. And I loved and I appreciate that. And I appreciate it so much that I was able to show up as my best self more times than not. And then I started to understand how important that is to just feel good going somewhere, showing up to work, feeling good. The Sox also let you join the ranks of uh, a few times of position player pitching. And I was looking at old scouting reports. They had you up to 95 off the bump in high school. What's the, uh, you get, is there any desire to kind of let it loose when you're, when you're the position player pitching or is it just lob city the whole time? My shoulder hurts right now. When you said that, I just felt it. I felt an ache. Um, I have more respect for pitchers because Man, it's not easy. Just throw a strike. Um, and being too old to like Adam Jones in the big leagues, that's scary. And, you know, I got to throw this, this ball or play to this, this big leaguer. Um, I let it go. And that's probably why I let it go a couple of times. I think it was, I don't know, might have been one time it was the Orioles. I don't know. I think I hit 90 or 91. Okay. And again, my shoulder feel like it's on the ground to this day. Feel like it's dragging on the ground. I, I go back and I look at my mechanics and I'm like, holy cow. No wonder like my landing foot's already on the ground. My shoulder's still, still back down my body. But um, again, what a great experience. I'll never forget the first ball. The first pitch I threw was, high, you know, it was high and it goes to the backstop and the you know, a little crowd that was still remained at that game because the first one was a blowout. The other one was a tie ball game I pitched in where they go crazy. And, it, it, you know, it's typical like Fenway, you know, Fenway fashion. Love it. Um, in your time in the Red Sox, it was the most extended time you got in the big leagues and the most really in your career, the most extended time in one place you live. You know, you look back at your you know, your playing career, a lot of a lot of different cities, you know, five organizations in four years at one time when you're in a place for, for a long time and you, you know, you spent, you shuffled the Pawtucket a little bit in some of those seasons, but what is the, the workplace relation? You obviously have, you have your teammates, you have the coaching staff and stuff like that, but like reading, um, you know, an, an article in the athletic recently, um, you know, going to be on the Sox broadcast team this year, great relationship with, um, with Joe, with the radio voice of the Red Sox, uh, Joe Castellone, if I have that, the correctly, but when you're, what are the relationships like with, with team employees and people who work around that? Like when you're, when you're there for a while, like how many, we don't think of baseball as like your, your typical office workplace where you've got the HR team and the accounting team and stuff like that. But what, it, how do you, you know, do you get to make relationships with people? I mean, clearly you have, but the relationships with, with people associated with the team who are not just your, just your teammates. Like, is that, is that kind of a freeing thing to do to actually like feel like you're in a workspace versus just a mercenary for hire at, at triple a where you're staying for three months. Mm. Yes. That, that was, uh, that was the best part. That was the best part of, uh, like, man, it's not a workspace. Like this is, this is family. That's what it felt like. This is family. Um, even to the point of, you know, what the Red Sox did, especially back then, really, 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 really well is it made your family feel good as well. Like to the point where my, my daughter, they love this place. They kept, when I wasn't there, like, damn, why don't you call it Red Sox? Try to get a job with the Red Sox. They just loved it so much because it's kind of like my Angela quote, like people don't remember, um, you know, what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And they did, they still do a great job making you feel good. Um, and make you know, simplifying it for you. When I say simplifying it, the more that you can just focus on playing baseball, the best chance you're going to give yourself. That's the key to consistency. That's the key to anything you do, like simplifying, simplifying. And they do a good job of helping guys do that because they, you know, they take family. How many dogs do you have? Two dogs. Actually, this Wally the Boston Terrier that is named after the Green Monster. Boston Terrier named Wally. Oh, love Boston that. Boston Terrier. So, um, 
but yeah, the Red Star, they dear place in my heart. Love, love, you know, not the you know, the fans, but the everyone, the field, just the clubbies, the parking, people, like everyone. We're all in this together. And everyone knows, you know, the history of the songs. They know like the importance of the songs. They can tell you things that happened. 20 years ago, it's amazing. You know, I, it always amazed me because just talking to different people and, you know, the history lesson you get, you continue to get. We're kind of bumping up on time, but I wonder at you get, um, you, you end up, you go from the, uh, the Red Sox to, to the Yankees. So the Yankees claim you on waivers, kind of a weird jump there. And you mentioned the Sox just kind of letting you, you know, letting you be yourself and play. You get to the Yankees and the Yankees have, old history and certain rules and do i have this right the yankees rule you had to cut your dreadlocks cut my locks i um i just got a fresh twist up it's feeling good and uh get to the field they're like you know we're gonna so that's the captain send a message to the captain captain say clean it up so what do you do Captain. So that that was ca- the captain's orders. The captain says, "Clean it up." The captain says, "Clean it up." What do you do? You clean it up. Um, Yankees are a bad word in my house. I don't. We don't say the Yankees too much. Um, it, um, you know, it's awesome to put on the pinstripes and put on like man, again story. If I had to choose, I like the I like the blue collar bunch pill, hard hat. Let's go. Carhartt, Carhartt guy, okay, Carhartt. But but if you gotta be Hugo Boss, you know you gotta be Hugo Boss. And I'm it's a I'm glad I got to experience that. Um, man, it was just such a bad like I like I just I, I left my family. Not only did I leave my family, but now I'm playing against the the enemy of my family. I'm over there. Um, Your fir- first game with the Yankees against the Red Sox. First game with the Red Sox. If you didn't know any better, they probably they would have thought like I was I was uh, still playing with the Red Sox. I got four at bats and might have been three strikeouts. If you blinked, you would have missed me in, in the pinstripes. Um, it was uh, not the best best time of baseball for me. Well, professional sports are the only place where you can work against your employer. You know, one one day you're employed by someone one day, and the next day you're trying to make life worse for that same employer. It's a, a, It goes into the mental dynamic of that is – it's something you don't encounter in any other place in life. And it's it's an interesting dynamic there. But, um, you know, like I said, we're bumping up on time. You, you know, you play out uh, the, you know, the, the 2013 season with the Cubs, put up – you know, in 25 games in the Cubs, you put up some, some, you know, some high point, high point numbers in your career. You hang it up. Um, you have talked about life after baseball pretty extensively. How, how big a hole was that lack of comp? You, you know, you talked about wanting to win and that being a main driver. How big a hole was that lack of competition in your life? Um, and, and how do you advise, you know, you, filled that by working for the Cubs and, and doing different things. How do you advise guys who are coming out of baseball, coming out of 10, 15 year professional baseball careers? Some guys who, if you didn't go to college is literally all, you know, as, as an adult, how do you advise guys transition out of baseball and find different outlets to, to fill that, that competition? That's tough, man. Um, I was, I got, I got really, 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 really lucky to be able to go, transition and stay in the game of baseball um and have the opportunity to learn new and new skills but i would first say start doing it before you get out of the game before it gets to that point when i say start doing it just start finding uh different passions outside of baseball like what do you like to do start tapping in with people that um you know do those things and you know it's not necessarily you don't have to like do it full time but just start creating those relationships, creating that network before it's like, so it's done. Then you're like, Oh, what am I doing? So do that first. Start, start thinking about what else you like doing. And it may be in baseball. It may not be. And the good, the good news is that there's so many more opportunities in the game of baseball now um, at the professional level, 
all the way down to uh, the youth level, find a way to tap in to that. I know that was probably the, the hardest thing about my last year, knowing that um, I knew I was coming to the end. And it's like, I spent, you know, I spent most of that season, most of, you know, the season, like thinking about, okay, I got a family, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do after baseball? Never would I have said I'm going to be doing mental skills. Like I probably would have laughed, but uh, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, this makes sense. All the failure, all the like, you're talking about journey or ten years in the minor leagues um, to be able to use my lived experience to to help someone else, to impact someone else, to expedite their process, to fulfill their dream, and then understanding also like the business side of like, man, you're gonna not be a baseball player longer than you are going to be one. So how can we maximize this time right now? That's all you got right now in the moment. And, um, but to answer your question, they don't give us a, there's no blueprint for that. Tap in, find your purpose, man. What is my purpose? What is my purpose here uh, on this, on, on, on this, on this earth? For me, man, it was so, man, talk about a journey. So tough, 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 man. When all you spend most of your life, like, how am I going to, how am I hit this slider? And I think the competition, uh, leaving the cop, that's the hardest thing. And so I found yoga and then I made, you know, yoga was my competition. And then I started to understand I'm, I'm competing against myself. And this is something I can compete in. For the rest of my life because there's no destination you don't get to a point where you're like okay i'm the best yogi I'm, yeah i can do it so um you know that's one of the things that uh you know fulfilled my 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 competitive uh juices uh i love you know i love learning new things i love new sport tennis and all kind of other things i i try to tap into but yeah start start to um kind of go through these processes Earlier, the better. Network, tap into your network. Continue to tap into your network while you're playing. So while you're playing, your network, that's your greatest currency. I was 18, I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't think about that. Play baseball the rest of my life, I'll make all this money. You know, you ain't thinking about any of this stuff, right? But no, network, your people, your connection. It's been kind of a theme of this of this show, especially guys signed out of high school. It's like find a life for yourself outside of baseball while you're playing baseball. Um, you know, career can be a focus, but you ha- and that's I mean that is literally a theme of anything. Like you can't if you just have this one singular purpose. If that singular purpose is gone, you are you're, you're in trouble. So that yeah, no, absolutely. I, that was Joe Madden. Joe Madden was good. Like I think he was the only person that could come. And, and and kind of do the things that he did and he was big on like and if you like he even had a week because he got a legion week and he'd lock the clubhouse he's like i don't no one can come until like six o'clock hour for the game and yeah it was like 2016 and winning the world series but these are all the things like he probably could come in and do and he's like man if you i don't want you at the field all day I don't want, like, we're not doing eyewash. We're going to come in, we're going to do what we got to do, we're going to do it with intention, and we're going to get out of here. I want to encourage guys to have a life outside of the game. Encourage guys to travel with their family. Encourage guys to hang out um, on the road. And this is what good teams do. Um, it was the first time of, like, hearing these type of things. Like, actually, like, I want you guys to do this. Like, get out of here. Because I came up in a different era. like, more is more and you know it's a lot of eyewash so it was refreshing to see to see the 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 joe maddens or the joe madden the yeah the the only one Uh, i got a quick rapid fire for you then i'll let you get out of here all right let's do it favorite minor league ballpark that is durham bulls I, I haven't totaled all these up, but I'm pretty sure that one has the most most Got wins it. or most acknowledgement of guys on the show. Uh, favorite big league ballpark? I feel like Fenway Park. I I, I could have guessed that one. Uh, best pitcher you ever faced? Man, so many. I'd say Clayton Kershaw, 
CC the bathroom, David Price. No. <laughs> One. All lefties. Yeah, lefties, left-handed specialists. And then, you know, they just happen to be number one starters. And a couple of them were Hall of Famers. But uh, uh, I'll just say Clayton Kershaw. That's a good one to pick. Uh, best food city in the big leagues. Best food city. Toronto. Oh, interesting. Best sushi I ever had in my life is, it was, it was, you know, I, the way he cut the sushi, and it, I guess they said that Ichiro signed off on it too, so then you, you know it's good. Oh, Ichiro loved yeah. it, but it's like you just put it on your tongue and it just melt in your mouth. It was unbelievable. Man, that it's it's we're recording this around lunchtime, so that man, uh, that that sounds great. Uh, last one I got for you. Everyone gets this. Do you have a nightmare bus ride story from the minor leagues? First year going from uh, Delmarva. Eastern Shore to Savannah, Georgia, and literally about an hour into the trip, AC goes. No AC. So there ain't no like, oh, we're going to call, get a new button. No. You, we, we're, the show goes on. So literally guys are in this boxers riding down there because it's hot as heck. Going to Savannah, Georgia, one of the hottest places I've ever been. Get there, eight, you know, 18-hour ride. You get there like, 11 in the afternoon and go get them go hit your slider let's go that is that is the minor leagues uh where can folks follow you and and check out what you're doing with the red sox this year nesson go to that nesson and apparently there's nesson there's nesson plus um but yeah definitely uh go check that out i'm looking forward to uh tapping in tapping into the media game talking baseball uh talking socks and uh, not having to hit a slider. That's that's the move. Looking forward to hearing more from you. Darnell McDonald, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for joining from Phenom the Farm. Oh, keep up the good work. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. And that's it for today's episode with Darnell McDonald. Big thanks to him for stopping by. Everyone go check out his work this season, calling Red Sox baseball for Nesson. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Episodes will drop every two weeks on Tuesday. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.